0: Welcome to episode 389 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And this is a video episode, so if you are listening on your favorite podcast channel and you'd rather be watching, just go to youtube.com, type in We Don't Die Radio 389. Today on the show, we have once skeptical and now certain Wendy Willow, who is passionate about helping others. She's the author of two books, Reading Between the Lines and Silver Butterfly Wings, Signs from the Other Side, offering comfort and hope after the death of a loved one. Now there's a lot more to Wendy, but it's easier for her to let you hear it from her own words. And you can find out more about Wendy at wendywillowauthor.com. Wendy, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
1: Thank you, Sandra. I'm so happy to be here,
0: and I'm happy to have you. We have been playing uh, messages, email messages, back and forth for months now, and um, but today is our day that we finally get to connect face to face, and I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. I am too. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about yourself before you start your story. I don't know where in the world you are. Oh, I kind of do, but let everybody know, and maybe a little bit about about your background, who you are as a person.
1: Okay, well, I'm a grandmother. I think I just mentioned that briefly um, before. Uh, I lived in Canada for most of my life. Now I'm in um, Arizona, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the winters are much milder and not so severe and harsh. I have three children and 11 grandchildren And the reason I wrote my book, Silver Butterfly Wings, is because I lost my husband. He died back in 2010, and it was the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching experience you can ever imagine. Um, What else about me? I've been working in the medical field for a long time, basically administration. Then as a nurse, I had my own bookshop at one point. I uh, sold houses. I was a real estate broker. And um, I do Tai Chi, I do line dancing, I love to keep active, I like to read, I like to write, <laughs> music, uh, I just love life, and at 71 years old, I am jumping into life travel. <laughs> so, oh, great. Uh, yeah, I read poems, I do yeah. yeah, um, that is something that I fell into. Uh, palm reading. I didn't really believe, you know, like Sandra. I was a skeptic a long, long time ago, uh, bringing up children, going to work every day. That's basically what I was doing in my 20s and 30s. And then a neighbor of mine said, Oh, there's a palmistry center downtown Montreal. They're giving a workshop. Would you like to go? And I said, Why? I don't believe in that stuff. She said, Well, it's really fascinating. So I went and I was just blown away because I couldn't believe what you could actually read in a person's hand just by looking at the lines. So I started to read people and grab their palms. And it was just amazing because I didn't realize how much intuition plays into reading people. I never thought about it. Like I said, it was work and family and, you know, bringing up the kids and, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, this intuition part, and I thought, well, it makes sense. You know, anyone who is a mother can relate. You know, your child is absolutely quiet in the next room, you go, okay, what's going on now? (laughs) Um, And so it was a whole different avenue to discover and explore. And at that point in time, my children were all in school, one in high school, so I had a bit more time for myself. So I was able to develop that. And then I started to write articles because I wanted to explain the process, the intuitive process. It's um, And I wanted to dispel myths of gypsy fortune telling kind of a thing. Cross my palm with silver. Well, that's not what palmistry is really about. So I wrote articles and they were published in the local papers and the spiritual publications. And um. I don't remember how I came across numerology. I think, again, it was just an acquaintance, a friend. We were chatting, and she talked about magic numbers. And I said, what do you mean magic numbers? What are you talking about, <laughs> you know? And she said, well, each number has a vibration. And the vibration is symbolic of some um, trait, a personality trait. <clears throat> and again, I thought, well, so what? But it was it's more along the lines of... Um, the more you understand about yourself, the more you can go through life, um, learning, understanding and being the best person you can possibly be. So even though this wasn't to be a discussion on numerology today, uh, just very quickly to understand if you are, a, if your date of birth adds up to a one, you are a one vibration and one is the number of a leader. Now that makes sense logically. Number one, if your date of birth, when you add up every single digit becomes a two, you're a helper. And the three is all about creation, creativity, like the child, you know, mother, father, child, and on and on and on it goes. Um, so it was just amazing at that point in my life that I was learning to trust my intuition and to see the world differently in a more spiritual sense. So is that's that word- why... That book came in, you have a, your first book, right? Reading, Reading. Between the Lines, yes. I was writing as a contributing writer for the Journal of Alternative Therapies in Montreal, this spiritual publication that came out once a month. And... um I wrote these articles and then I thought, what the heck? Why don't you put them in a book? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And you would think that's easy. It's not. It's far easier to start from scratch and just write. But I was putting all these articles into a book and I had to change them to make them flow, to make right. chapters, even though it's it's not a huge book. It's a small one. But um, my reasons, again, were to dispel all the myths, you know, to get rid of this this Backstreet uh, fortune telling idea of palmistry. Palmistry was really about uh, personality counseling, way way back two or three thousand years ago. People would go to the shaman or whoever, medicine man, medicine woman, and you know they'd look at the hand or um, I don't know if they did whatever they did, tea leaves, anything, any anything, um, and then they would be focusing more on. What your strengths are, where you should be putting your energy instead of oh, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. You know that wasn't in the cards back then. <laughs> um, so, so that's why that's how I got to write my first book, and I realized that it was fun. You know, not just writing blogs and writing letters and writing. I enjoy that too because it's creative. But when you put it all together into a book, it's somehow more authentic. That's how I felt. So, yeah. so that's how my book came out.
0: Wow. Well, now I have a question because you brought up numerology. Okay. I'm, good. I'm, I'm April eighth, nineteen sixty six. How would one begin finding their base number? April
1: is, April is four. Yeah. Okay, Fourth. Eight. I yeah. can tell you right now. If you're born on the eighth, that's power and abundance. Well, oh, so I like you, that. <laughs> So whatever you do it in your life you're going to be successful. I'll say that right off the bat. Um now 4 April is 4 And so you add 4 plus 8 plus 1 plus 9 plus 6 plus mm-hmm. 6 you add every single number up like that. Tell me what you come up with cuz okay, I have 12. to j- fingers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. 12 30,
0: 22 34 30,
1: So you add the three and the four, it becomes a seven. Okay. Now your seven is a very spiritual number. That's an internal number. That's the number of a philosopher, doctors, healers, somebody who connects very strongly with spirit. So when I know you simply from your websites and so on, I'm saying, oh, my goodness, you are completely on the right path. You're spiritual. You've got power and abundance. You have a presence. People are drawn to you. That's the eight. Uh, the seven can be a little internal um, in terms of you need periods of time alone to process, to develop, to learn, to um, to be a, just with yourself. Now, if you want to do the negative aspect, because there's positive and negative, the seven and the eight will be arguing because the the seven is a very gentle vibration. As I say, that's spirit. You connect to spirit. You connect to flowers and trees and rocks and everything around you. That's gentle, allowing. The eight is a strong vibration. It's like I said, power. Abundance, abundance being everything in this earth, not just um, money. I mean, money's good, but (laughs) it it expands far beyond the, the uh, wealth in, in that, those terms and power. It doesn't mean power over other people. It means power over yourself. It means power over situations that you can change the way you want them to go, but you know, not to hurt ever. The eight is the infinity sign turned up. So, whatever you do in this life is going to uh, go all the way down to other lives that you have as well. It's not just going to be this life and that's the end of it. It just keeps on going and going and going. So, you are definitely supposed to be here <laughs> at this time and you've got a lot to contribute. Now, I didn't figure out how old you are, but I, it looks 66. Yes, 66. I was 56. <laughs> okay, 66. so you've got tons of time. Uh, good. To create, and I think that um, it just—it's just coming to me. It's got not too much to do with the numbers per se, but that you need to do something in a um, creative endeavor that you have not tried yet. And yeah. I don't know what it is. It could be music. It could be more writing. It could be designing something. But I just feel that very strongly that you need to do something different.
0: Wow. Thank you. I couldn't help <laughs> but ask that because you had talked about the uh, root number and all that. Um, do you write about the numbers at all in your reading between the lines or is it strictly? palm? Yes. Um,
1: oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, I got the numbers in there too. Yeah. Yay. I started off just doing palm reading and then when I learned numerology, I do a combination. So right away I do the person's numbers and then I look at their palm. So it's, it's, I do it together.
0: It's good. Well, let's get into your second book and your story. What I'm hearing by these words is whether it's the universe or the divine, whomever kind of broke your shell open a little bit by introducing you to some of this spiritual world, you know, and we all have different ways of getting in interested. So tell us about your husband and um, what his name is and what happened.
1: His name is David, or was David, and um, uh, it was a second marriage for both of us. Our first marriages were not very happy. So when he came to me, when I met him through his sister, actually, um, I was not interested in having another relationship. It was like, nope, 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 nope. But he was very gentle and very friendly. He kept his distance. We would go for coffee, you know, just do ordinary things like that. And then my barriers came down and I thought, you know, this is a very good man. (laughs) Um, And he understands, he understands to keep his distance, to not push. And we became friends and we were friends for, I don't know, a year, I guess. And then it it blossomed into love. And so we were married for 12 years. And the last eight years, he was on oxygen because he got uh, COPD And he being a doctor um, understood every step of the progression of the illness. It was, it was very hard to watch him decline. You know, this once vibrant professional intelligent, well, he was still intelligent at the end, but this vibrant professional man um, just going downhill. And I know others have gone through this and it's, it's not easy. It's very tough. So um, he was in, palliative or hospice, whatever term you want to use for a couple of months. And then when he crossed over, my daughter was with us. And she being a nurse had done that before she had helped other patients cross over. And I was just in complete denial and shock, even at the end, even after eight and a half years, you know, you think I would have been prepared. I was not you never. Well, I I wasn't. So I was just still in shock. And at the very end, um, we put our hands over his heart. That was my daughter's idea. And she said, we'll feel that his last heartbeats. And we did that. And that's so precious. That's not something you could ever, ever have again. That was it. And when he crossed over, I was, um, I you know, almost in another realm. Like it, everything was just meaningless. No time, no Um, it felt like I was in a cloud and I could hear all these like hummingbird wings or angel wings or whatever it was. So I could almost feel his spirit leaving, which was, again, not something I thought consciously about or anticipated or anything. It just happened. And at that point, I just had to accept and allow that whatever was happening was happening and don't question and don't even think because it was unthinkable. The fact that he was not there anymore. So I went home and um, sat outside on the deck, my back deck, and just cried and cried. And then my son came over and he stayed with me and um, he stayed the night, which I was very grateful for. And when I got into bed that night, all of a sudden these waves of love came over me and I was like, where is this coming from? I just felt wrapped up in these beautiful waves of love. And I realized this is not from this earth. (laughs) This is from David reassuring me, telling me that he'd made it to the other side. And again, I didn't think about that. It was like, this is happening. This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling love. And I know intuitively that he's gone wherever he's supposed to be. So that was the first bit. And of course, the next morning when I got up, I just crashed. Everything was gone. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, you know, making coffee for one and, you know, breakfast for one and so on and, you know, going on with stuff. But the butterfly part was a couple of days later. My son had gone home. I said, go home. You have a family. You've got work. And I was sitting outside. It was summer. Thank goodness. I was sitting out on the deck and looking at the empty chair, which is really hard to do in the beginning. And I started to cry again. I just couldn't imagine life without David. It was just, I just couldn't imagine it. And um, we had been so close, even when he was dying. And that's something that was very strange to me as well, is that we were becoming closer. And I thought, "That's, that's odd, because he's leaving this earth, and I'm staying. Why are we becoming closer? And in fact, one of the words he said to me or sentences when he was in his hospital bed was the lines between us are blurry. And I said, I was thinking the same thing, you know, and how come we're getting closer? But I guess the only thing I can think of is that so I was open and ready for him to send signs. So with the butterfly now, I'm sitting on the back deck balling my eyes out and then all of a sudden something caught my attention and I looked up. Uh again, it's that intuition like a mother was thinking that, oh my goodness, what's my child doing in the other room? It was something that just spoke to me. So I looked up and there was this butterfly, a different kind of butterfly that I didn't normally see. And it was so serene, so gentle, just sitting there, as if waiting for me to notice it. So I looked at this butterfly, I stopped crying. And all of a sudden in my head, I heard these words, do not stand at my grave and weep. And I thought, David, is that coming from you? And then I went, well, it had stopped my crying and completely stopped that horrible feeling of blackness. I went in the house and I looked, of course, I had to Google it. Uh, what does a butterfly mean after somebody dies? And I didn't realize that that's an ancient Chinese belief that when you see a butterfly after somebody dies, it means it's their soul coming back to reassure you that all is well. So that blew me away (laughs) completely. Uh, But I was also very happy that I had a a sign. And of course, I questioned that endlessly. And then all the other signs that appeared too. So that's how it started.
0: What other signs have you received? It's always nice to hear because I think some of us have something happen and go, is that a sign? And and it's easy to brush them away. Talk about some of the signs and maybe your intuition, your knowing. Because I think whether you're looking at palms or numbers and whatever that intuitive ability we have, I think we have a good detector of what's true and what's a real sign and what's maybe Just our imagination. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, first of all, I had all the classic ones, the lights flickering off and on, which I just believed, you know, it's like, oh, come on, this sounds like a ghost story. (laughs) And the radio turning on spontaneously, you know, I had all that. And I was wondering... Is this, that I really didn't believe in at all at first because it was too classic. And yet as time went on, I realized it's classic for a reason. There's a lot of other people that are experiencing that too. Thinking about him and then all of a sudden the song on the radio comes on, you know, the exact song that... You know, brought us together, so to speak. And where did that come from? I had to have the radio on that specific time. I had to be thinking about our anniversary or whatever. And there it goes um, hearts in the clouds. I was on my way to babysitting one morning, babysitting my grandchildren. Again, I was crying, thinking, oh my God, how can I do this? How can I get through? And I just looked, happened to look up at the sky, and there's this beautiful heart in the sky, you know, made with the clouds. And Um, Oh, there were so many signs. His name, David, appearing on a license plate when I was going cross-border shopping. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, can I really do this? This is a frivolous shopping trip. And usually you do that with girlfriends and you have fun. But I was doing things on my own and wondering how I could do it. How could I drive all that way? It was like a three-hour drive cross the border and go shopping and am I ridiculous I'm you know quite constantly questioning myself and then all of a sudden this car pulls out in front of me and the license plate just says David no numbers no nothing I thought okay that's a sign I'm all right I continued on the trip and I was fine a lot of signs come from nature um, birds and butterflies and heron and and it's, it's the timing. It's, that's uncanny. You know, this bat that I saw in our neighborhood, I never saw bats in the neighborhood, in the woods, sure. But I was walking one evening and I looked up and all of a sudden there was this bat hovering. Now, bat is, um, I was going to say transformation. Oh, there's a lot of meanings for bat. It's, um, I think examining who you are, where you're going, birth and rebirth, that kind of a thing. And then the the wings turned silvery, just like the butterfly did a couple of months after I saw the initial butterfly. Again, I was walking in the evening, and I looked way up in the sky, and there was this butterfly. And I thought, what is it doing so high up? And then it twisted, and its wings turned silver. Now, it was sunset, so I know it was the light. But even so, it felt magical to me. There were cardinals in my son's backyard, the beautiful bright red bird that uh he saw every once in a while. But when I was there on my birthday, looking out the window, all of a sudden the tree was full, completely full of cardinals. And David used to say, Look for the cardinal. When there's one, there's two. It's always a pair, always a couple. You don't just see one, you see the male and the female. And he said that for geese, and he said that for other Animals that mate for life. So I knew it was coming from him. And uh, pen in the grass, David loved pens. We had a zillion pens in our house. It was a joke, actually. (laughs) When you go out shopping or something and he'd want another pen, I'm saying, you know, we've got 10,000 pens in the house. And I found one in the grass in the middle of a soccer field. I had gone down to the water, to the lake where we had scattered his ashes. And I was upset, of course, and I was walking through the soccer field back up to the car and saying a prayer on the way because I just didn't know how to handle all this grief. And then I looked down in the grass, there's a pen at the soccer field. (laughs) It's like, okay, this is confirmation or affirmation that, you know, David was all around. And another episode with pens was at the notary's office after he died. Now, we do notaries in Canada, whereas I believe here it's lawyers, and um, I had a pen in my purse. I know I put one in there when I left the house. And then I had to sign a document. I, just, I looked at my purse. there was no pen. So I looked around the table at the notary and the financial advisor and the other people. And the men were patting their jacket pocket. And the other notary who was a woman was looking in her purse. Nobody had a pen it was the strangest thing so finally one of them had to leave the room and go out to the secretary and ask for a pen to bring it to me to sign it i mean it was it's just it's just crazy but the absolute strongest uh sign i got was the day that he was cremated and i did write this in the book um I didn't want to know when the cremation was going to be. I didn't want that image in my mind of him going through fire. So I was adamant at the funeral home. I said, no, I do not want to know. Well, I get home and whatever, a couple of days later or something, I'm on the phone. And I believe it was my daughter who said, oh, mom, the cremation is Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. I'm going, no, I didn't want to know that. And I, I said, OK, 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 there's got to be a reason that I'm told this. There's got to be something. So Tuesday at 10 o'clock, I went into the backyard. We have an oak tree there that I used to call Grandfather Oak. And I would pour coffee at its roots because Dave and I had this coffee ritual. And we would go and we would to the drive-in coffee place, get a coffee for each of us. So after he died, I didn't want to stop that ritual. So I would go in the morning and I'd pick up two cups of coffee and I would get home and pour one under the tree, into the roots and hope that wherever David was, he would get the coffee. Because it's so very hard to let go. Just because the person is gone, you can't just sever everything and let go. Um so I was doing that for a while and um so that day I said, well, I'll just go under Grandfather Oak and I'll pour David's coffee there and I'll sit down and I'll meditate and I'll say a prayer and just be there. And so that's what I did. And it was very strange because it felt like we were holding hands and then everything around me was like a dream. So as if I was in a different space, a different reality, nothing seemed to be normal. And um, then I had this vision of us holding hands and he going through the fire, but it was fine. Everything was fine. And I thought, oh, that's, oh, I guess it's okay. So then it was, okay, well, all of a sudden I was sort of coming out of this dream and I could hear a dog barking and I could hear a car door slamming and, you know, normal sounds. So, I, oh, okay, that's fine. So, I'll get up and I'll go in the house. And I'm feeling a bit jittery, you know, like as if I've gone through something and you, you feel a bit tired. And so, I go in the house and rinse out my coffee cup and get a glass of water. And the doorbell rings. I'm going, oh, no, oh no, I do not. I can't talk to anybody now. I can't. But I peek through the windows, and there's these two men standing on the front porch. In dark suits, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, they're from the city, the town of Hudson. Have I broken a law? I, I lit candles under the tree, but well, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. I don't know. I better open the door." So I open the door, and one of the men says, uh, "Hi, I'm a Jehovah Witness, and my name is David." And I just lost it. I. Cried and I cried and I cried. And the poor guys are standing there, they're looking at each other. And he's going, Ma'am, ma'am, are you having a bad day? <laughs> and I said, I just lost my husband and his name was David. And he's, Oh, do you want to hear scripture? I'm like, No, I want my husband. <laughs> anyway, so we chatted for a couple of minutes. I was just like overwhelmed because what are the chances? What are the chances of that exact time? When we I just finished that little ritual of and he going through the cremation process, and you know, what are the chances of somebody knocking on my door saying his name is David? It was just uncanny. So that was the turning point for me. I said, you know what? Spirit is alive and well and is able to send me messages because I didn't believe it at the beginning. How could spirit send messages across, you know, from there to here? but that really did it for me. So after that, I was a true believer. I love the
0: term, the word hereafter, because, you know, we grow up to believe that heaven is past the clouds way up somewhere, but I, I believe our world is part of their world. So there's it maybe not the easiest thing to send signs, but they're right here able to manipulate. And then I'm also thinking of this is if um, somebody had shown me this, if you, wave your hand really, really, really fast, if I could do it even faster, it would become invisible, or almost invisible. And the spirit world where they all live there, they're moving really fast. But to be able to do these things, they have to slow down, you know, and so um, somewhere we meet in between. And you were mentioning a little bit about uh, meditation and your spiritual practices and things. Do you think it's important to take time, whether you call it meditation or just slowing down the mind and being present? Do you think that's important in able to observe and get signs or see them?
1: I do. I really do. And I think it's important for many reasons, not just that, um, because you need to shut out the busy busyness of our world but to slow down and see signs. I I do believe that. I think you need to be open and not focusing on whatever it is that's taking your attention away from being present and open to whatever spirit sends you. And uh, I like what you just said about we're all together. There's no real division between the afterlife or between heaven and whatever here. It's and just as you said it, it vibrated within me. And it's like, yes, it's, it's a veil. I've heard the term veil. I use the term veil and veil is very thin. So I do believe that they are here all around us. And every once in a while, I'll get this sense, you know, that, oh, there he is. And there another sign I forgot to say. Well, there's, there were so many. We love oh, him. He was him a on. smoker. <laughs> he was a smoker. And that's why he had COP. He had lung disease. And um, about three three or four months after he passed, I was walking past our little powder room, our little downstairs bathroom, and there was a, a strong smell of cigarette smoke. Now I don't smoke, nobody else was in the house, the windows were all closed. It's not like somebody passed by and was smoking. And that was the little room that he had to smoke in because I didn't like smoke. So he he just sat there in that little room and would smoke a cigarette and then that was shut the door and that was it. So just like random. And that's another thing too, is you can't force the signs, they will come. So that particular day I was walking by, you know, on my way to the outside or somewhere garage or something. And there was this very strong cigarette smoke and every once in a while, I will smell that, you know, if I'm doing something. And then, oh, yeah, David's still here. Oh, yeah, there he is. Cardinals. I've seen a lot of cardinals. And that in itself doesn't seem to be something that is unique or different or, or whatever. But it's the feeling because it just comes. All of a sudden, there's a cardinal in the tree looking at you. Or I'm thinking about something to do with his passing or anything. And then all of a sudden, there's this cardinal just appears. And that's meaningful to me. It's like with blue jays and my mother. My mother's name was Jacoba, which she would call herself Jay, because it was easier for people. And and after she died, um, David and I were out in the garden. And all of a sudden, this whole flock of blue jays came along. And I'm looking around, and I could hear my mother's voice saying, life goes on, dear. And that's exactly what she would have said. She was a gardener. She observed nature. And that's exactly what she would have said. Like, don't cry for me. Don't weep for me. Life goes on. So um, another sign, too, with from my mother, actually, was uh, she had a hibiscus plant, uh, which I inherited after she passed. and. It, did, it stopped blooming two years. It did not bloom. I was thinking, well, maybe I should give it away or or whatever. And then all of a sudden on her birthday, I got one beautiful flower and it never bloomed again. <laughs> so, That's crazy. That was- oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is why it's a sign. Had it bloomed the day before, the day after you wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought, but exactly July the 9th on her birthday, this one gorgeous bright pink flower on her plant. What do
0: you say yeah. when someone says I've never gotten a sign from a loved one?
1: Yeah, I've heard that from people and I know it's frustrating. The I always say to to not push it, to not um try and make things happen because you can't. You can't. You're actually pushing it away unknowingly. What's more important is to just let things be. Just open your mind and allow. Sometimes the timing is wrong, even if it's been a year or so. The timing is not, we don't know what's going on in the other realm. And we don't know what's happening. So maybe the timing is wrong for your loved one. Maybe you have seen signs, but you were not able to interpret them for some reason. Um, Dreams. some people long for a dream. Well, maybe it did happen, but when you woke up, you'd forgotten. I mean, the signs are there. And I think the less you focus on, I need a sign, I want a sign, it will happen.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that completely. And I think, I mean, even me, who's been studying evidence of the afterlife for over 25 years, it didn't Mm -hmm. take until COVID hit for me to actually slow down enough and be present because I was forced to, right? I was forced to just be within a house and pay attention to nature and then pay attention to my feelings and really starting to slow down. And um, I had a friend who's recently passed and it's not like lights are going on and off, but out of the blue, there's this feeling or a memory of something we did together that just comes out of the blue or sometimes before i fall asleep there's a flash of a scene or something signs are not always outside of us they can be inside of us even hearing your mom's voice or your uh, david's voice and and things like that they they can come from within and I don't think our guides and our loved ones and things that maybe we always hear someone else's voices sometimes it can be in our very own voice but you know something unexpected. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree with you and that's strange because you just brought up another memory uh, the same thing it was a friend of mine and she had died of cancer oh gosh number of years ago now and I was driving in the car and I just saw her face in front of me. Now I believe she was guiding me. I was like an intercity, intercity, from city to city, (laughs) long distance drive. And I was alone and I wasn't worried or scared, but there was her face in front of me. So I thought, okay, she's protecting me. And then every time I went in the car after that for about, I think, a couple of years, actually, I kept thinking. Her name was Carol. I kept thinking of her. And so that was a sign from within, as you said, and it was, I know it was there to protect me yeah and it worked. I'm still here.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. We human beings, um, I don't know. We want everything, but speaking of myself, you know, I want results right away. I do. I want, I want bolts of lightning and <laughs> all, all those great things. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't happen that way for as many billions of people that are on planet earth there are so many more that are in the afterlife and each one with their own personalities their likes and dislikes you know thankfully we get to take that with us but you might have a young person who's loves technology loves everything about it and they may be able to send you a random text message or something but you take my grandmother who never dealt with any technology you know, she's not going to do a sign like that. It might be something a little bit more gentle and loving, you know? So I just think we give our loved ones the benefit of the doubt and in their own way, they are communicating. And I do also think, and many people say this, that in the hereafter, there's no time. So what may seem to us like years, it could just be the blink of an eye to them. So... We will know the answer to this question when it's our turn <laughs> and we'll go, oh, that's why. Oh, okay. But until then, stay present, be in the moment, you know, all those good things. So what else is in your book that you share? Because I know that there's comfort for the, the grieving because each one of us will experience loss many times in our lives. Um, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, what really helped was to uh, join a, a grief support group because there you can talk to other people who have gone through the same thing. And the particular group that I had joined doing the same things and just talking about our experiences Realizing that we're not going crazy because you do feel, or I did feel that at times. You, you, I was paranoid. I was like, "Oh my God, you know, my husband's gone. Where did he go?" And so, what else is going to be taken away from me? You know, I, I <laughs> locked up all the silver. Actually, I brought it over to my daughters for safekeeping, and you know, I did crazy things like that. I, I put pots and pans up against the door so that if anyone came in in the night, I would hear. It was just crazy. And um, so talking to other people and listening to what they have to say, it was a real, real help. And then for me personally, it was writing, writing down my thoughts and my feelings, processing my grief that way. And this is how I started out with the book. I, I had to write, I had to just get rid of it, get rid of the feelings inside of pain and um, frustration and helplessness. What can I do? There's nothing I can do to change this situation. So I wrote uh, down my feelings, and then I started writing down the signs. When I realized they were signs, (laughs) I started to write down the signs as well as a way of recording them because I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to forget. And then as time um, evolved, as time grew, as time passed, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm feeling hope with these signs. Maybe I can help somebody else. So this whole process, and it is a process, you can't just jump from being in pain to being feeling good again. It, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And so for me, it was the, the other ladies in the grief support group. It was the, just tapping into my own inner resources and writing, wanting to also help other people. And as well, my family, I'm very blessed to have children and grandchildren. So I was doing a lot of babysitting for the little ones, and they're so innocent and full of life and so happy, you know, their their worst fear is not having a cookie, you know, and that really put things into perspective for me It's like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is the future. Um I know what's happened to me has happened to me and I can't change that. But when you look at a small child and their whole day is, is on doing puzzles and being happy and playing and it it really boosted me up. It was a lifeline for me. So I'm very, very grateful that I have family to help out. And, um, I think taking time alone, I needed that. I I know other people have to go right back into a job or a work situation. And keeping busy is also another way to help process the grief and so on. Um, but for me, I needed to be more on my own uh, just to, I guess, try and figure out what it was all about and try and um, find my own comfort deep inside but then there's also the other side of it if you're alone too much you you want company so it was a lot of strange feelings and feeling like the earth had been shifted by you know I I just didn't know who I was anymore for the longest time so um i think basically it was it was that for me it was the groups of people plus being on my own plus trying to get out a little bit and discover newer things. Now, this started later on, like, I would say after year two. um, I was going to classes, like, I'd done Tai Chi before, but this is a brand new Tai Chi class, a new teacher and so on. And I thought, oh, do I want this new experience? So again, flip-flop, yes, no, yes, no, you know, and finally I went and I was so pleased I did because that's moving energy in the body. And that, that worked well for me. Now, I did travel alone. Um, the first time was, I think, eight months after my husband had passed away. And again, it was it was tough. It was, okay, do I go? Do I not go? I was always questioning myself. So I did go. And I found it was healing, very healing to go to the ocean. And now the downside, of course, is being on my own. And there's couples everywhere when you go on on vacation. But just being by the ocean, that's very soothing to me. So I think that people need to find, and they probably will, find something within that is soothing for them. For me, also, it was the signs, definitely the signs that he's not gone into oblivion, that my husband is still there and he's still able to communicate with me. And I believe looking out and protecting not only me, his sons. He has two boys from a previous marriage, and one of them is more spiritual than the other. And I've spoken to him on several occasions. And he would say, yes, dad's around. I can feel my dad. He's with me in the mountains. He's with me on my hikes. Um, so just feeling that the, their their presence is, is still there is um, very, very healing and comforting.
0: Yeah, well, wonderful. You know, when you said people have to go right back to work um, when a loved one passes, how true is that? And I had done some reading about bereavement hundreds of years ago and even 100 years ago people would wear a black band around their arm showing the world they're grieving for a year, you know, and so much more respect and would be given to people, just this understanding. And in this modern day, I mean, you're lucky if you can get a little bit of time off to experience grief and everyone's journey in grief is different. And I For anyone who, this may be your first episode with us, um, my book, We Don't Die, chapter 10 is about surviving grief. And if anybody wants a free copy of that, you can have it at my website, which is wedontdie.com. Go to the store page, scroll down. It's actually the audio book you'll see, um, but use coupon code free. You can either listen or you can read the PDF. But this whole world of grief and um You know, grief can be out of our control, a lot of it, because our body has to, and our mind has to process and um, grab hold of the new reality. So there's a lot going on with the chemistry within us. So there's definitely things that we can do to help ease the pain and make us feel better. So the things you bring up are really great, Wendy. But I know for myself, even, I mean, I'm grateful that I Learned it because I can share it, but I actually felt um, four years after my dad passed, and he passed the same year your David did. um, I felt almost like this dark cloud lifted, and I was like, I really, I remember that, and it was one of those things that told me, okay, my chemistry is back, like Sandra's back. I'm always, normally, always a bubbly person, and I, oh, I was not bubbly (laughs) at all. Um, But I felt like I'm back. So just for anyone who's experiencing grief, just honor it. It, It's a personal journey. Unfortunately, we can't fast forward. There are things we can do to make ourselves feel better. Of course there are. And getting signs is a beautiful thing and reading and all good. But just honor wherever you're at. And the only way to the other side of grief is, as Wendy knows, straight through. Mm, It's true. Yeah. So what else, Wendy, what else in our uh, time together would you like to share or inspire people with or is a passion for you? And we want to know how we can get in touch with you two, uh, oh. and get your website and um, find out more about your books.
1: OK, well, actually, you triggered something when you mentioned the mm-hmm. arm bends, and it was after my mother had died And my little sister and I, we would just get on the telephone and cry and cry and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And she mentioned that to me. She said, you know, years ago, they used to wear these black armbands. And so that if you did burst out crying in a public place, people would understand. And I thought about that um, because my mother had had a stroke and she had lost a lot of her memory. She didn't know how to do housework anymore or count money or read or anything like that. And, she, you know, my dad was still okay. But we, I would come over and visit and, you know, my sister would go over and visit and so on. And one time I came over and I opened the microwave to um, heat up my coffee. And there was bananas in the microwave <laughs> because um, mom had put the groceries away, but she didn't know where to put them. So it was a couple of days after she had transitioned and I was in the grocery store and I went into the fruits and vegetables and there I was staring at these bananas and I just burst into tears. And that's when my sister said to me about people wearing armbands and more um, compassionate and understanding about grief. And what you say is, is so true about, um, you just have to allow the grief. And there's really not a lot. You can't skip over it. It's just something that everybody at one point or another who has loved uh, will experience. And I've heard them say that the depth of your love is the depth of your grief. So it's not always an easy road. But I think, again, supportive people help you know, get you to get you through. And I did have another friend who would call me almost every day she would call and it irritated me at first. It was like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to tell you anything. I don't want to go away. I want to cocoon. I I was like a wounded animal. I just wanted to shut the doors and cocoon and just stay in my cozy little nest and everybody go away. After a while, I started to anticipate and look forward to her phone calls. They were like, five minutes. How are you? Do you want to go for lunch? It was always no, 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 no. And then one day I said, yeah, I would like to. So she really helped me to come out of this cocoon of pain. Um, And I think, you know, in this life, the more we help one another, the easier our paths will become for whoever we're helping and for ourselves. And now the part two of my book, I called uh, Silver Dragonfly Wings. Now, dragonfly is a symbol of transformation. And I found that the first year had gone by, I expected to be all fine again. No, I wasn't. (laughs) But the path was a little easier. And I felt more like I was growing in the second year. I was transforming. I was becoming stronger. I was making my own decisions. Whereas in the beginning, the first year, I was like, oh, I can't decide. I can't, you know, have the house painted. Who do I call? Um, You know, uh, just simple things like that. Uh, Income taxes, financial matters. I was just all, everything was blurry. Everything was horrible. And then the second year, I started to build and to become a stronger person. So this is why I named it Silver Dragonfly Wings. And of course, there was more dragonflies around the second year. I didn't see as many butterflies. So the animals had changed. The uh, I saw fox more often. I um, can't remember what else. Oh, I think an owl appeared in our neighborhood that had never appeared there. In all the years I lived in that place, there was never an owl. Well, that's wisdom. Heron. I saw more herons. Heron is standing on your own two feet. So I could see the signs. And of course, I stopped questioning by the second year. But the transformation year was very strong. And from then on, it was up, it's always up and down. But from then on, I felt like I could maybe get through this and get to the other side, get to the light of the tunnel. Um, The other side of, of horrible grief, where you feel that you're, or where I felt that I was completely sinking into a swamp of mud. And uh, the only way to get out is to put one foot in front of the other.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, it just made me think of, I like how ideas are sparking from what one says to the other. Mm-hmm. But with grief, I think it has the ability to get us on that spiritual transformational path. You know, things in our lives and in your life, you know, being interested in numbers and palm reading and things like that, it gives you a little nudge. Um, but then sometimes it's grief that, you know, cracks us right open. And I was watching Kevin Costner this morning. He's got a show called Yellowstone 150. The Yellowstone National Park, it turns 150 years old. And there's a four-part series about the history of it. And what I watched this morning is there's a pine tree, these great forests, I think it's lodgepole pine, something like that. But these great forests actually need to burn to such a a strong, high temperature for the regrowth to happen. So inside those pine cones, I mean, it needs to be almost burnt to a crisp crisp before something is released so that the, the growth starts again. And I think for being human beings, the more we love, the more it does hurt. Absolutely. But it has the power to transform us and to have that re- regrowth, um, just like those trees. So being human is not easy. And I think kind of we knew that when we signed up, but we've simply forgotten <laughs> But there is so much richness and joy and I'm going to say magic and miracles when we start realizing who we are, that our loved ones are still around and that we are divine souls living a human experience.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree with you there. And um, I believe... There's so much more that we don't know because we can't see it. But if we can sense it, we can feel it, we can listen, it all becomes closer. Yeah, in the beginning when I talked about
0: is it present, is it necessary to be present to receive signs? And you said that's one of the reasons to to meditate or be present. Can you just maybe leave us with your thoughts about slowing down and why we should?
1: Well, it's basically to go within. And as a seven, you know how to do that, don't you?
0: <laughs> I forgot that I'm a seven. Thanks for not I gonna I gotta
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: shut out not shut out, but to let go of all the outer busyness of this world. We have so much input uh, with all the um, technology today. I love technology, but it can be overwhelming and the demands on our time, and so on. And it, it can be just all too much for our brains to process. And then there's no time left over for going within, for contemplation, to um, mining our depths, which sounds like a very strange thing to say, but that I'm just channeling that right now, mining our depths. It means going within and learning who we are. Because if you're constantly giving out, um because someone's asked something of you, then you forget all about what's going on inside you. And you don't understand who you really are. You don't know your inner gifts. You don't know where you can go. I I believe you're in a holding pattern if you're constantly, constantly busy. Uh, Again, it's not to say busy is wrong. Busy is not wrong, but it's, it's, right to take time to go within to contemplate to let go of a lot of noise outside noise and discover who you really are inside and that's part of what palm reading is all about is to know who you are inside because sometimes we don't even know because we're always out there in the world so I feel it is very important to take time time for yourself and I know it's hard especially if you're very busy with careers with family with friends with obligations with volunteer work and and whatever it can be very very busy but if you can take five minutes a day just five minutes that will change how you feel um it will help you to become a little calmer. And when you're a little bit more calm, then the decisions get easier, your life path becomes easier. So I would advise anybody to just take the time, five minutes. I do with my coffee, I can take more time because I'm retired, but my morning coffee, I just sit and meditate, or not really meditate, but just sit and just think and go within and feel. And I, and I, I think that that if anyone or everybody can do a little bit of that a day, it will help your life to flow more smoothly.
0: Yeah, I believe it. And I also think if we can I use the expression plug in, because, you know, we think we all have a device of some sort, whether it's your iPad or iPhone or computer, but we need to plug it in so that it works and stays strong. And that's how I think of when we are in mindfulness like that, we are, plugging ourselves in. And um, yeah, just watch your intuition and that gut instinct. And I think all of that is heightened once we take time to plug in. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for being our guest today.
1: Well, thank you. And you can find my book on my website, uh, wendywillowauthor.com. And um, Silver Butterfly Wings is right there. There's a buy button to buy it. You can have the Kindle version, the Kobo, Barnes and Noble, wherever it works for you. But it's been very nice talking with you and meeting you, Sandra. I believe we share a lot of the same philosophies about life, about the afterlife, the spiritual world. And it's been a great pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's been wonderful to have you as well. And then Wendy's other book is Reading Between the Lines. And I checked out her website earlier. So go to wendywillowauthor.com. And I'm interested in both, but I've never really thought about palmistry or the numerology. So I'm glad you included those in the book. So wendywillowauthor.com. And for our listener or our viewer, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I'm not sure if you are aware, but I do have a second podcast that I was asked to start by iHeartRadio and our friends at Coast to Coast AM that's called Shades of the Afterlife. So on this show, as you know, there are no commercial breaks. It's just me and a fabulous guest. On that show, there are commercial breaks, but there is different content. And um, I think it's pretty great as well. So I think the two work in combination You can find out all at our home base, which is wedontdie.com. You can click on radio shows and find past episodes of all of them. Also, while you're there, you'll get a little pop-up screen that says join the Insiders Club. You will get a free PDF of my book and also that very healing audio that I created right after dad passed called How to Survive Grief. And if you're interested in sharing, you never know who's in your social media community or your real live community that needs a little bit of lift. I did some research and a lot of people are nervous about sharing that you're interested in the afterlife or that you are experiencing grief, but there are people all around and most people, it's like seven out of 10 people, if not more, would find it interesting. So you can always drop a little nugget. You know, I heard this conversation. I don't know if you believe in the afterlife or whatever, and just throw it out there. And if it's meant to stick like spaghetti, somebody will say, you know, I am too. Um, So you never know, but you feel free to share. Also every Sunday, we offer a free Sunday gathering. It starts at 2 PM Eastern time. That's New York time. And It's filled with inspiration, joy, comfort, positive messages. And then at the end, we do a medium demonstration. So members of our online community, loved ones come through showing everyone that death is an illusion that our loved ones are around. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain and I'm always so grateful to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important like Wendy said, take some time for you, even if it's just five minutes in the morning and slow down, slow down, take time to watch the birds, smell the roses and be present because you never know when something will just click like, Hey, that's a sign from my loved one because they are around you and they're witnessing your life. So with that, I want to thank you for listening or for viewing